this week on the Tech on Tap podcast, it's quarterly security update time with the NetApp security team. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the studio here and we're going to do our quarterly security update. Uh, it is on tap 9.6 time, really. Um, it's June time frame right now. We're in summer-ish, uh, <laughs> almost, right? Uh, so what we do every quarter is we try to bring in the security team to give us the latest and greatest in security. And to do that, I've got three people in the studio and one on the phone. So let's start with the phone. Uh, Matt Trudwin, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Yeah, hey, Justin. Thanks for having me today. Uh, I'm Matt Trudeau. I'm a security TME here at NetApp, and you can reach me um, on the Twitters at NTAPMatt. That's N-T-A-P-Matt. You've changed that since the last time. I did. You're all like official now and corporate. That's good. (laughs) We've we've molded you. Um, Also in the studio with us today, uh, Juan Mojica, um, who was nice enough to bring us all cake. I wanted to make sure everybody heard me chewing throughout the entire podcast. So I, I actually got some some audio snippets of that. So we'll be adding that to the end of the show. Just, it'll just be one chewing on, on, on repeat. So Fantastic. Yeah, my name is Juan Mojica. I'm responsible for security um, product management and technical marketing here at NetApp. And you can find me on the Twitters at Juan underscore M underscore Mojica. What's the M? My middle name. Yeah, but what is it? Middle. Middle? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to tell us your middle name? (laughs) All right. I guess it's a a security hole if everybody knows your middle name. It's probably what you use for your password. Idiot. Um, So also in the studio today, Andre Middleton, uh, if you want to introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do here, and I know we can't reach you anywhere other than the email, so let's go ahead and do that. that That's right. Let's knock this out. Uh, Andre, um, security product manager, so constantly working with uh, the product teams and engineering, all that good stuff to bring security things to light uh, and hopefully result into some solutions and things that we can work on right, to address these threats that we see today. Of course, you can always reach me via email, and and that's it, right, Andre? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> netapp.com. He's literally off the grid. He just he probably lives out in the woods and he's running a manifesto. He does. He does. You know where I yeah. live. <laughs> I do, but no, I can't tell anyone. He'll be, he'll have to kill me. Um, finally, last but not least, that voice you heard was Dan Tullidge. So, Dan, what do you do here at NetApp? How do we reach you? I'm Dan underscore Tullidge on Twitter. And I'm Dan Tullidge, uh, technical marketing engineer. Been doing ONTAP security for two years now. And so, having a ball. So it's funny because we got, we got Juan who's like out there on Twitter and, you know, doesn't tweet a whole lot, but when he does, you know, you can see it. And you got Andre who's completely off the grid. And then you got Dan who protects his tweets. <laughs> it's varying levels of security here. It's, it's great. Security in depth. Keep everybody off, off balance. Yeah, you, could, you can look at my tweet. You can see my Twitter, but you can't see my tweets. So <laughs> defeating the purpose. All right. Um, so today we're going to update everyone on what's new in security and ONTAP 9.6. We're also going to talk about a few other things, such as ransomware and um, also uh, new on-track validation. Um, and what else were we going to talk about? Slip my mind. Zero, zero trust. trust. Zero trust. Zero, zero That's right. Like in the you, movies when they when they're sitting there and they're like all serious and they're like trust no one. 
Like, like who? Like my mom? Don't no, just trust no one. So we're gonna talk about that. So, all right. Um, so to start off with, let's talk about what's new in ONTAP nine point six. So uh, who wants to kick that off? Matt. Hey, how about you? Hey, security TME. Do your job. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the biggest item to me for 9.6, probably because it's kind of my technical marketing baby here. Um, and that is cluster peering encryption or snap mirror encryption. Some people may have referred to it as that. But really, it's a lot more than snap mirror encryption. So cluster peering encryption is kind of what it sounds. Um, anytime you set up a cluster peer between ONTAP clusters, there's a lot of things that take advantage of that. Snap mirror is the biggest one. You know, if you want to have a snap mirror, you need to have a cluster peering set up for it. You also have snap vault and flex cache, which came in 9.5, of course. Uh, and what we have added to that is kind of the big thing that we had been missing between ONTAP clusters for end-to-end encryption. And uh, that's uh, TLS 1.2 encryption. So anything in that cluster peer uh, that uses it, you know, the things that I just talked about, SnapMare, SnapVault, FlexCache. If the peer is encrypted, then that traffic will also be encrypted, the data traffic. So you get data traffic and replication traffic and peering traffic all there within the technology encrypted um, as of 9.6. And why this is pretty cool is that, let's say you upgrade your cluster to 9.6 and you want to take advantage of this, you can do this for existing relationships, and there's no need to, for both take Snapmare, for example, there's no need to set up a brand new um, initialization or anything like that. You know, you don't have to break the mirror. Basically, you just set up, um, you change the cluster peering, and you say, hey, we need to use encryption now. Uh, that encryption is actually um, a passphrase on both sides. So your cluster administrator would go and they would modify that existing relationship, get it to use the um, pre-shared encryption key that they know on both sides, and then, boom, you're using encryption for over the wire. So what this really means is that if you have NetApp volume encryption and you have it on a source cluster and a destination cluster, in the past, you know, of course, that data as it's going over the wire, it could it could be uh, sniffed, right? Or there could be some way that someone might be able to see what data is going across there. But now, of course, we don't. Now, that's not necessary, right? You can actually have the encryption for all the data going across. And so that gives us back to that end-to-end encryption. Um, another pretty cool, exciting thing about it is that it, there's no hardware restrictions. So if you have, um, you know, AFS or FAS or even ONTAP Select, Cloud Volumes ONTAP, even FlexRay, you can actually leverage uh, cluster peering encryption in 9.6. And we feel so confident in it, in fact, that uh, for brand new cluster peer relationships, you know, you're setting up a relationship for the first time, 9.6 and later, we actually turn encryption on by default. So secure by default. Um, so that's a big change, right? I mean, uh, some of the other encryption technologies, you have to enable them. But um, testing has been fantastic on this product. Um, went through um, our early access program testing, EAP testing as well, and uh, it, results are great. So you get it by default. And then for those existing relationships, like we talked about, you just have to modify those, and they can take advantage of encryption as well with no need to resync. I think I've said that a few times. So I'm pretty excited about that one. I'm, I'm excited too. Um, so can you qualify great a little bit more, right? So we say it's great, but what what makes it great? Is it perform well? Um, you know, is it always successful? I mean, what what quantifies great here? Yeah, the biggest thing for me is the simplicity aspect to it. Um, if you go in uh, system manager and you're setting up a new relationship, you don't even realize that it's setting up encryption for you. 
you know, it just takes care of it in the background. So, um, that the simplicity aspect there and then how easy it is to modify and set up a linear relationship from a performance aspect. What we're talking about here is you can have at the most a, uh, 15%. And when I say most, I mean, max, uh, 15% loss in throughput. And that's on a heavily, you know, loaded system for a lot of systems that weren't heavily loaded. You don't really even notice the throughput throughput degradation at all. So 15% is really pretty small for what you're getting there with, um, the, everything being encrypted. Okay, so we turn it on by default. So if I upgrade to 9.6, it automatically turns on. I don't, I don't even really realize it's turned on. So if I'm running snap mirrors and all of a sudden I notice they're taking a little longer, that might be something to look at? Well, just so just to back up just a little bit, it is turned on by default, but just for new relationships. You okay, have to for convert those right. existing ones. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so if you do notice your snap mirror is taking a little bit longer, then that is something where you want to want to think about. But in most cases, um, you probably will not notice that unless it's just a heavily loaded system where you have tons and tons and tons of snap mirrors. Um, if that's the case, then yeah, you might want to look and potentially stagger those. But it's not like it's going to affect the performance of your data, right? We're still all about, just like with NVE, data access getting number one. So it might, the snap mirrors themselves might take a little bit longer to catch up if you're fully loaded and that little bit longer is a max of 15%. That's what our expectations are from what we've seen with our testing. So encrypting it over the wire is great, and I understand why we'd want to do that, but how much of a risk was it before to actually be able to sniff traffic? Like, what do we see when we sniff snap mirror traffic? So normally, we would advocate our customers, regardless, to you know have some sort of encrypted channel. So uh, if you're connecting two sites, you probably want any and all communication between those two sites. So this is definitely a uh, defense uh, in-depth kind of uh, strategy as well for us. Um, but you know, with Snapmare, it's a it's a very efficient protocol, right, Matt? Uh, it's really the change yeah. blocks that we're seeing. So, really, after that initial baseline, you're not going to figure out uh, a whole ton as it is um, already, unless you have everything from the beginning of time of that uh, you know Snapmare relationship, basically. Yeah, and I guess I just wanted to highlight that. You know, we are encrypting this, and it's good to encrypt, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're at risk if you're not encrypting because it's it's tough to kind of figure out what's in a snap mirror or even a flex cache relationship at that point because simply sniffing it isn't enough. You have to actually have more information than that. Yeah, there's a lot of work there to that, absolutely. And I do want to key in on one thing Juan mentioned there. You know, we always sort of recommended for customers to have this um, secure transfer, right? And what they were doing in the past, because we didn't have it natively, native encryption for in-flight, is um, a lot of customers would use third-party VPN devices. So that is actually a cost savings now. They don't need to necessarily have those if they were using them just to encrypt your um, snap vault, snap mirror, that type of traffic. That's no longer necessary. You can never leverage the uh, native capabilities. And also, of course, it's um, included. It's, it's a free license. There's no cost. That's probably, honestly, what makes it the greatest thing is that you get it with the product simply by upgrading to ONTAP 9.6. Do we support SnapMirror over Tor? Over Tor. <laughs> <laughs> that one lost me. <laughs> Nobody knows a Tor is good. Andre knows. Andre's looking at me like, yeah, Tor. Yeah. Anyway. We're, in the, we're in the dark web all the time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so as far as the encryption key goes, does that leverage the on-box key manager or does it leverage an off-box key manager or can it? Uh, and, you know, what's, how does that key work? 
right now it's just a pre-shared key, so a pre-shared secret. So the admin would, uh, well, you can, it, two things actually, it will auto-generate the key for you, the pre-shared secret, or you can enter in your own. Um, when you're setting it up on a brand new relationship, uh, the default is to just let the cluster generate the pre-shared key on both sides for you. But you can also enter in your own key as well. Okay, makes sense. All right, what else we got in ONTAP 9.6, Matt? Well, we do have multi-tenant key management, and I think Dan is the expert Dan. in that area. Hey, Dan, you're sure. up. You're on tap. Yeah. On tap. So, yeah, with 9.6, we introduced multi-tenant key manager. It's useful for service providers in particular who have you know, inherently have multiple tenants and also large enterprises that want to treat their, their different departments as tenants as well. So essentially um, what we support is external key management for multi-tenancy. And you can create a, an external key manager for a particular SVM. And as such, um, the tenant can own their own keys, have their own key managers, and it's separate from the cluster key management system. And if, if they're running onboard key manager, they can migrate their existing keys for that SVM um, to the external key manager. Can we use onboard key manager with Offbox and kind of leverage both of those, or does it have to be one or the other? It's, it's um, well, the on, you can have onboard key manager for your, your, your cluster key management system, but you can, you can have external key managers for um, your multi-tenant key managers. And they can all be different vendors. They don't have to be you know, the same vendor. Different vendors, yeah, whatever the vendor of choice is for that particular tenant. As long as it's, um, you know, we publish yep. our own right. interoperability matrix. Right. So as long as that is, uh, it's on our matrix, you're good to go. All right. So we have a list of the vendors on the matrix there? Yes. So for, for what metric? if I have a, a vendor that I want to get added to the matrix? How would I go about that? Um, at this point, we have to file some paperwork um, to make an exception, something internally called a, a PVR, FPVR. Um, and as such, um, it will be evaluated, you know, whether a lot of people are asking for that or not. And then we have to go through a validation process for those, those particular key managers. Is there a red pill involved? Um, usually a bill, a blue one, not a, a red one. Oh, okay. Uh, that's good. <laughs> Got to choose the right one. We're still yeah. looking for the one. Still looking for the one. <laughs> right. Haven't found him. Dan looks pretty close to the architect, though. Yeah. He's got a very good resemblance to the architect, so. <laughs> All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll take that, that normal. It's no, it's a compliment. Okay. You're, you're, you, you, you have run out everything here. So, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, with the multi-tenant SVM uh, functionality, you're able to use multiple tenants within the, the cluster. So that's valuable for service providers, like you said. Yep. I've always argued that you know, if you're a storage admin, you pretty much are a service provider as it is, you know, no matter who your, cu- your customers are, whether they're you know, people that are paying you to do this or your departments or, you know, your end users. So right. uh, that, exactly. that can be valuable for a lot of different people. Right. It, it, that, you're exactly right. I mean, it, yes. And a large, yes, I am. A, lar- a, large, <laughs> a large enterprise is a service provider for multiple entities. Absolutely. So. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for validating the architect. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what else do we have uh, that's new? Well, we, we have uh, NetApp aggregate encryption. N- oh, tell me more. N-A-E. Well, you, you, you're asking yourself, why? Why do we need... You know, aggregate encryption, NetApp aggregate encryption. We already had NetApp volume encryption. I mean, that, that seems perfectly good, right? It, um, you know, leveraged our storage efficiencies. Um, I'll, ask, I'll so, answer your question with a question. If I use NetApp volume encryption, can I take advantage of storage efficiencies like aggregate level DDoP? 
You hit the nail on the head. Hey! Justin. You hit the nail on the hold head. On, hold on, hold on. Let me find the nail, the, the sound <laughs> back here. We oh, you got it. Oh, hey. awesome. Awesome. Yep, you're a winner. So, yeah, it's precisely why we uh, developed NetApp aggregate encryption, so that we can take um, that advantage of that particular efficiency, aggregate dedupe, which you know began as aggregate inline dedupe and then in a subsequent release became background aggregate dedupe. And so now all those NetApp aggregate encryption volumes um, can take advantage of that because they use common keys. And so if you can still have NVE volumes that live on the NAE aggregate, but they will still not be able to take advantage of the aggregate uh, dedupe capability. So Juan, um, you you kind of were like pushing this feature probably, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would it be because maybe because you were tired of getting emails asking what, if you can deduplicate cross volume with with MVE? Yeah, no, that that was one of the main things. Actually, when NVE came out, it, you know, the, we didn't have this uh, concept, or as we, we were developing, there wasn't this concept of aggregate deduplication, right? And so, as that one was coming in, we realized, hey, we potentially have a gap, and at the end of the day. Most of our customers are going to want to leverage their storage efficiencies, and we need to find a way to do that in a secure manner. The way we had constructed NVE was to make sure that every volume had a unique key, and if you start sharing that key across volumes, you potentially then break uh, some security assumptions about uh, you know the information between volumes. So as, as you start sharing information between volumes, that's a potential information leak, something that you could, in theory, is partial information, which you could, in theory, then use to reconstruct or provide an attacker assumptions about the data within other volumes just based on the deduplication table uh, shared amongst them. And if if that's the case, then maybe NVE then doesn't turn out to be as secure as it is today. So we wanted to have a clear distinction, okay, upmost security, each volume, you know, the one sacrifice that you're making there, and it's the, the one sacrifice that you're making is you don't get aggregate duplication. But for a majority of our customers, uh, they're fine with the, you know, the expanded uh, domain for that key that's protecting all that. Uh, that scope of that key and that's protecting all that data. And so aggregate uh, deduplication uh, and aggregate encryption works. I've hesitated calling it aggregate uh, NAE, but it's really software encryption with all your uh, storage efficiencies. If it helps to call it aggregate uh, encryption for our customers, great. We can, yeah, we've done that to kind of just wrap our head around, but it's really software-based encryption with all the storage efficiencies automatically applied. I think the biggest lesson to take out of this is that if you want a security feature, you just email Juan incessantly. <laughs> yeah, he's very responsive. Uh, and that's my downfall. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, seriously, though, uh, not only does it provide, you know, the ability to do cross-volume deduplication and preserve some storage efficiencies, it also adds a simplicity aspect to it, right? Because, I mean, you're not, you no longer have to set up keys for each individual volume if you don't need that level of granularity. You can do it at an aggregate level and do it once and you're done. Well, to, to be fair, NVE automatically generated those keys. So you you weren't really generating the keys yourself. You just now have to... Yeah, but you had to do it multiple times, right? You, yes, you would have to specify. Although there is a way where you can say, I want all my volumes encrypted using NVE uh, that we've published as well. But Are you calling one, me a liar? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fine. <laughs> then I'm hey, wrong, hey. Hey, I, I validated you a number of times. <laughs> But it, this is this is really it is a, you know it can be a little simpler for our customers as well as it's just you know set it and forget it kind of deal. 
This is the trust no one aspect, right? Not even, not even me. So what, what else do we have in ONTAP 9.6? Uh, was um, the snap mirror encryption, is that part of FIPS validation at all, or is it? It's using the cryptographic module that we already have in there that's, uh, you know, FIPS validated, so. Okay. So actually with 9.6, there is one more thing we added. Um, we have some new hardware coming out, some NVMe drives uh, that are actually self-encrypting drives, CDs. And uh, these are different from our typical NSE drives, which are FIPS validated, but they're still have, they still have AES-256 encryption. Um, so they're, um, you know, they basically can encrypt with the same strength as the typical NSE drives. The only difference is they're not uh, carrying that FIPS validation. But uh, it is kind of nice that those can be shipping in 9.6. And what's different about these drives as well is these drives will actually mix with um, non-SED uh, drives, um, whereas NSE, you have to have all NSE disks uh, in order to have them on the system. Yeah, what's interesting about self-encrypting drives is basically like you can turn it on or off, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, yeah, the drive is always encrypting. Right. You just uh, it's unlocked or locked. Uh, well, so, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I like to say on or off because it's easy. Yeah, yeah, well, I thought that's what you mean. Yeah, whether you, <laughs> that's what I mean. Whether you turn on locking or, or not. Yeah, yeah. All right, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, so it's, it's you have the ba- ability to toggle the option as opposed to NSC drives where it's like it's already just locked. Just making sure the cake wasn't getting to your head. I haven't finished eating it. Um, that's going to happen after this. I'm going to destroy that cake. I trust it. <laughs> anyway. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> so um, quite a lot of new security additions in ONTAP 9.6, but we've also done some things kind of outside of that scope. What have we done with the OnTrack uh, validation with, with ONTAP? So we've you know published a feature called Secure Purge to basically cryptographically shred or sanitize an individual file within a volume. What release was that in? Uh, that was nine. And, uh, four, I think. Four. Right. Nine, yes, four. Yep. Cuatro. Yes. yes. You go. Hey, hey, you were right. <laughs> you win nothing. Continue. But, you know, as much as our, our vendors ha- want to take our word for it that it's actually able to individually uh, cryptographically sh- shred a file. And by the way, this is an online process. So for, for cases where you have a data spillage uh, in your environment, so you get a top secret document on a what has been classified only a secret uh, cluster, you have this this problem called data spill. And basically, you need to delete that piece of data within your environment. But what happens nowadays is that uh, every other vendor really, in order to guarantee that data is deleted from the drive, you have to sanitize everything on that on that cluster, on that node, on that uh, on that system, because uh, most of the operating systems that these things use spread data all over the place, so you can't be guaranteed exactly where that data is. And then on top of that, with the advent of Flash, you have wear-loving Flash drives, so you can't even guarantee that the drive is actually going to erase the thing that you told it to erase. So at the end of the day, we have this uh, this problem that basically, if you stumble into it. Now you lose your equipment for weeks, right, or months, or you lose all your data. And what we were able to do is, okay, how do we do this cryptographically based on our NetApp volume encryption technology? So as long as you have that, you're able to cryptographically sanitize this file. All right, now, so I brought us up to present date prior to the certification. So the certification really came into saying that, hey, we want a third party to validate uh, that they can't reconstruct any of the data after we've done this cryptographic uh, sanitization procedure. 
And really, it's to validate that you know we let all the garbage clean up to finish and make sure that we've uh, set a clear demarcation of what we're purging and how we're purging within our environment to make sure that that's never recoverable. And that's what we did with uh, Kroll on track, which uh, leading vendor in data recovery for our products, I think probably for a lot of other products as well, and asked them, okay, we want uh, you to take this through the ringer and provide us some documentation, uh, either claiming that we're able to do this based on uh, the NIST uh, special pubs, uh, 888, basically, there's a reference by which uh, you're able to cryptographically, you know, apply sanitization procedures to a system. And we want to make sure that we're in accordance with that publication uh, according, uh, accordingly with our technology. And that's what they did. Basically, uh, w- they took it through their lab. They were able to uh, basically go through some procedure where they're able to image a system without encryption, understand the, everything that it does, understand how the data is laid out, and then apply the same, uh, then apply the encryption, uh, you know, walk through the same steps now, all, all use an NVE and trying to figure out, can I now recreate the data based on how I was able to do it with a non-encrypted system? And uh, lo and behold, they weren't able to do it we, uh, to recreate the data from our cryptographic sanitization procedure. And so we have basically uh, a letter explaining what they did. And for our customers that are, you know, utmost sensitive, kind of absolutely guaranteed that, you know, this data is actually deleted, we've kind of gone through now that ringer uh, as well. So now we have an official document. Is that, can I find that anywhere? It's on the field portal. Is it anywhere else? Is it public? It's currently not public, but we intend to make some public okay. um, statements around it. Yeah. So uh, if, at this moment, I would say if you're really interested, if you you know if you're a customer, uh, reach out to your account team, and uh, if they don't know what you're talking about, just send, tell them I sent you, and they'll uh, they'll get to me. <laughs> Juan sent me. <laughs> but then again, trust no one. Yeah. Right. So um, speaking of that, uh, let's go to our most tinfoil tinfoil hattie of the group andre um hi hi andre (laughs) so um let's talk a little bit about zero trust and like what we're doing here at netapp in regards to this kind of philosophy of you know trust no one i'll speak to the philosophy then i'll let dan take on since he's been it's his baby basically so i don't want to steal his thunder well please (laughs) oh no 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 you're gonna be you're you're next yeah you're you're second you're second most tinfoil hattie because you get the protected tweets so So the biggest thing I talk to people about when it comes to zero trust, and Dan and I have kind of had a couple calls now, especially around, you know, DOD and USPS and some of those customers, but it's the, it's kind of an inverse mantra as opposed to assuming um, and then validating, right? Say, okay, well, we'll permit given this set of validation. So now it's, we don't permit anything until we prove something, right? Um, And so that's the essence of where we're going with zero trust. And, you know, one of the other things I always bring up is years ago, this came up like over eight, nine years ago. And people started thinking about, well, how are we going to do it with tagging? And, you know, during some of our days, Dan and I both at, at Cisco and some other things, right? It was one of those things, like, how do we, we you know, think about going back? And we said, well, there is no network, right? It's just a, a, a greenfield out there. And how do we still control things, given that it's a greenfield? And it's funny how life works, because now with the cloud, we're back to that. And now all of a sudden, zero trust has prominence again. So, so Dan, give us some practical examples here of what, we, what we're dealing with. Well, sure. Um yeah, like as Andre said, zero trust is not a new concept, but it's it's taking a whole new life right now. And you know, thinking about it, we, we you know you can have different entities that you're you're protecting in your environment, and data is probably the most important entity that that you have to protect. And that's what 
ONTAP is all about is data. And so if you look at the literature from um, Forrester Research, who actually um, conceived of Zero Trust, a, a gentleman named John Kinderbug came up with the whole idea of it. Um, if you look at that, they define what's called a microcore and perimeter, okay? So that's like it's, it's something inside your, envir- your IT environment that you're protecting. And in the case of ONTAP, it's data, you know, that, that's the microcore and perimeter. And so then there's this other thing that um, John Kindervog coined called a micro, uh, segmentation gateway. And so it turns out ONTAP can play the role of a segmentation gateway for your data. And so there's a number of aspects which are controls that ONTAP can bring to the table um, to protect that microcore and perimeter, you know, acting as a role of segmentation gateway. What sort of things can it do? Well, I mean, there's kind of basic things like role-based access control, right? We've talked about encryption. That's a big one. Um, another thing is, um, you know, validation at a, at a granular level. We have this feature in ONTAP called F-Policy. And so we have this partner ecosystem of F-Policy partners that let us, you know, be able to see every, you know, granular access of data in, in your ONTAP environment. In other words, um, a file open, a file delete, file create, file read, uh, file write, et cetera, and then um, do user behavioral analytics, UBA as it's called, to get a better understanding of, of um, you know, what is normal behavior within your, your data environment, and then when something goes off the rails, you know, what is, what is abnormal. So essentially you can break it down into, like, I guess, several areas. So you'd have entry-level like getting into the system protection, right? So right. things like export policies and rules or authentication into the system using right. multi-factor authentication. And then you have, you know, access control where you have ACLs and, you know, security policies, um, export policies and rules. And then from there you ha- you have the actual um, encryption piece, the at-rest encryption. Yep. Um, but also, you know, you mentioned the role-based access control being able to do that at a granular level, right? right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things in ONTAP that can help I guess really harden that security, and then, then I guess auditing would be another aspect yes, of that. Like you mentioned, that policy. Yep. Um, we also have native security auditing with SMB and NFS, right? You can actually right. turn that on within ONTAP, so you don't have to necessarily use F policy. You can do it within the system. Right. Exactly. I think a key call out, Justin, is when you think about zero trust, the the use case gets bigger because it's so all encompassing, right? When you figure that all of a sudden we take away all the borders, things like we've been talking about for a couple of years, like insider threat, that's all part of it, right? If you're doing the things with zero trust that we're talking about, these key, you know, we call table stakes a lot, you're also inherently addressing things like like insider threat, right? Who has access to what? Why? Should they have access to it? They haven't accessed it in ever, but now they have 300 times in two weeks, right? Things like that, you know, being aware of it, tracking it, logging it, all that good stuff. So you're telling me I shouldn't put everyone full control on all my shares? It's up to you. Depends on how interesting you want your life to be, but yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's really the problem, right, is that a lot of, uh, at least the history has been, I'm going to get it up working and, you know, that's that's my number one goal. And then, especially when it comes to, from what I've seen, storage or storing files, that's really the approach is that, for the most part, hey, I just want to get it to work first and then we'll, we'll retrofit whatever I need to get on there. 
um, which opens you up to a lot of different uh, different issues. And this uh, file policy, this F policy capability that we have is uh, fantastic where, you know, a, a third party or we have a, a product called Cloud Secure that can actually do that uh, user behavior analytics and actually lock down a user, uh, either give them access just to the files that potentially he needs access to or just lock them completely out, right? Um, uh, to, to prevent any malicious activity from happening, whether it's intentional, intentional or unintentional, maybe he doesn't realize that he has malware on a system, for example. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, you mentioned how you know it's just get it up and working, and that's really from a, from an admin perspective. I remember when I was doing Windows administration, it was always like, okay, let's just get it up and working, and then you forget. <laughs> like, mm. oh yeah, I put all these uh, different policies on here. I didn't do that. You know, I didn't actually lock it down. What's good about Windows security and as well as NFS v4 security is if you explicitly deny things, that overrides that everyone full control. So you do want to go back and kind of make sure you're, you're doing the right things there. But does F-Policy do things like scanning to see if you're setting things too permissively? Like, you know, oh, we found this many objects that had everyone full control on it? Uh, no, F-Policy does not allow you to do that. It doesn't do that today. It just really, it's providing a live feed, really, of the documents that you're right. accessing. So somebody can, what's, what's cool, uh, cool about Cool? Uh, <laughs> it's very cute. cute. It's very cute. Uh, I've been eating this cake. It's very cute. <laughs> um, but the Cloud Secure product is that it, it figures out communities of people that you're working with and those files that belong to you, which will supersede any actual uh, groups that you're already officially tagged with. And that, that intelligence that that product has is, uh, is innovative in and of itself and thus then provides you the, the visibility of understanding whether or not you should, based on what you're actually working on, have have access or be accessing these files. So the zero trust thing is, you know, all about, you know, limiting access. Um, once somebody gets in, though, they've kind of got free reign. And that leads us to our next next topic, which we've covered several times, and we will cover it again because it's important. Ransomware. So um, what's the latest with ransomware? What are, we, what are we learning from this? And what new breaches have we seen? And how are we addressing this best? Never goes away, right? So... I would say that the one that we see the most or that's been seen the most in 2018 going into 2019 is one called uh, Ryuk or Ryuk. Everybody pronounces it differently. I call it a riot no matter what you want to do with it. <laughs> but the bottom line is what we're seeing with ransomware is it's becoming more targeted. Um, and you know, people have realized that for a number of years people haven't done enough. They haven't patched. They haven't done this. They haven't done that. And some of your you know, key constituents or key targets, right, what we would call a high-value target, uh, are the ones that are least likely to patch. So things like newspapers, right, uh, utilities, IoT is all of a sudden everybody's baby, but all of a sudden it's everybody's disaster, right, because most of those sensors and things don't possess a firmware update that's going to address ransomware. So how do you do it? So this goes back to some of the things we talked about with zero trust, right? Those are in your environment, right? So we kind of proxy those in. So at some point, it's going to get to where we can't even open our fridge to get a drink out because it's, it's in ransomware. You have to pay the ransom just to get to your, your beverages because um, of the Internet of Things. But actually, the most recent example I can think of of ransomware is GitHub. GitHub's another one. Yeah. Like GitHub mm-hmm. just happened, right? Yep. So basically, GitHub is the code repository, and, and yep. a lot of people use it. A lot of people just yep. stick their code up there. So what yep. you know, the ransomware did was they accessed these code repositories, and they locked them up and said, if you want it back, you got to pay X number of Bitcoin. Um, which, you know, varying degree of values depending on the day. Uh, but, you know, w- if they didn't pay it, then they would – it was weird. They said they would expose the code publicly, which I'm like – That's GitHub. <laughs> yeah. like, that's yeah, GitHub. Right. Yeah. So whatever. But, yeah. yes, I mean, but that's, that's another example. You know, like it's not just about 
access there. It's also right. about having a backup, having things yep. elsewhere where it's not as easily accessible, eliminating that network as a place where somebody can access it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the remediation, and we've continued to say this, anybody who's attended Inside or heard any of the sessions, remediation is the key, right? It's not an if, it's a win. We all know that. But the problem is when the win happens, right? Win, 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 all these wins, right? The reality is what do you do about it? And the thing is about the thing with ransomware is these are things that you have to proactively put in place to actually benefit from the remediation. And if you don't, you know, do you have things like snapshots? Do you have all those things that we continue to talk about? Um, one of the updates that we should probably bring up is, you know, we've updated the ransomware doc. We continue to. You know, I just put some more updates last week. Um, but snapshot immunity, right? The fact that these things are immutable to, to ransomware, right? They're read-only, things of that sort. And there's a snap lock option uh, in there as well so that we can actually, you know, take images known good, make sure they stay known good. Um, so you have a base to remediate from, right? Because mean time to resolution, so to speak, MTTR, is huge in the security world and in the business world, right? Yeah, with snapshots, you're pretty much done within a matter of minutes, right? You restore right. and you're, you're, you're ready. Um, and with snapshots, what's also great about that is not only are they read-only, but you can't modify the value to, be, to something other than read-only, right? Yeah. No one can change it and make it not read-only. The only thing that they could do is an administrator could delete them. This is where yeah. the snap, snap lock, lock comes in yeah. into play. Well, also what comes into play there is multi-factor authentication, right? So That's keeping well. people out of the system yeah. to make sure they're right. not able right. to delete snapshots. Because you can't delete them from your client. You have to go into the actual system and do that. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. And to Andre's point, I mean, the IoT is, is obviously blowing up, but industrial IoT is where it's yeah. getting scary, right? So these systems that are out network now that aren't necessarily your thermostat, which maybe they'll make it very uncomfortable for you in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. And or those baby cameras where they, like, talk over them and freak out the kids? <laughs> exactly. What is up with that? <laughs> exactly. Well, now you're talking about uh, there's a malware called Triton that yeah. basically tried to blow up a plant uh, huh. trying to over, you Nuclear, know, right? yeah. overload or bypass uh, some sensors. So, yeah. uh, I mean, this it's, it's going to get realer. So imagine now ransomware tied to basically – uh, think, think of the mo- movie Speed, right? If this bus goes under 60 miles per hour or whatever, it's going to explode. Now think of that as a ransomware attack on a public transit system. Now you don't pay me the money. This thing's going to keep going or bada bing, bada boom. Sounds like we got a new movie. <laughs> Call Keanu Reeves. Is he yeah. too bu- oh, no, that's right. He's too busy with Bill. We, uh, we owe him some royalties, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Juan's right. We see it on things like oil rigs, right? You know, think about any of these things that are out of generally any of the general populace's control, right? But the people who do control that, they're not you know, network guys. They're not security folks. They're not people who are worrying about patching a sensor, right? So who's doing that? Nobody. But if you're not aware of it, you know, we keep seeing these things about these movies and these things that may be coming, right? How we're going to bring down the grid and all this other stuff. But it's real, right? We got to make sure we're addressing these things. And with the meantime to a resolution that Andre was bringing about, you know, some people think, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely an uh, it's not an if, but when. And what I see happening is a lot of people still focusing on the old school way of you know the perimeter and how do I build my defenses and. Uh, the analogy that I like to use, it's that's basically your imaginal line. You have it pointed one way, and after that fails, what what happens, right? Um, and most people don't have a great answer for that. Uh, it's just a, it's a different way of thinking, uh, potentially a different way of in making investments as well in your company. So as security guys, and you know, with this talk of all the threat vectors and, and, and you know being out there in the internet and being able to access anything, Jesse unfriended. The, the horror movie where you can, your social media can kill you? No. Is that coming? 
No. Saw the trailer. How, how accurate was that, Andre? <laughs> how was the trailer? <laughs> yeah, it's like like the movie Swordfish all over again. Right? Oh. <laughs> Hackers. Uh, there's like yeah. a great there's a great segment out there. I think Wired magazine does it. And there's this guy. They, they get people experts from the field. They'll go and analyze movie scenes yep. and they'll say, yeah, that's not right. Yep. Right. There's a guy that does like language dialects. That's really I like. That's my favorite one. I don't know why I'm nerdy like that. But yeah. So. Well, I'll have to admit that two weeks ago, uh, I think it was the episode two weeks ago on NCIS, uh, our favorite topic of zero trust came up, and they were discussing zero trust. How how such and such company had implemented their zero trust. Have they? Uh, <laughs> did they mention the dark web at all? Uh, I probably in that uh, probably in that episode, I was I I I, uh, I told my wife, uh, you don't get why this is so funny to me, but this is what I work on, and but and then she just rolled her eyes. So. <laughs> yeah, anytime I see that commercial that like references the dark web, I always just laugh so yeah. hard. Like it's like that was it some VPN commercial, Nortrack yeah. or something. Yeah, Nortrack, and then you have yeah Norton. Everybody, it's funny though because it speaks to the other side of ransomware and all these other things the awareness is getting out there and it's actually targeting more individuals than it ever has because it's so easy that, you know, you go to GitHub, ransomware is hosted all over the place, right? You, and you throw that code all over the place and now you have people like Norton advertising ransomware for your home user and your mom and everybody else and they have these, you know, these poor people, people looking pitiful in these yes. videos and these commercials, you know, and of course you, you feel for your mom who just lost all her photos of the whole family history, right? And so anyhow, it's, it's out what, there, man. What, what would happen if the miscreant, you know, had his code base on GitHub and then the only, <laughs> only way to unlock it is, and they, and they just ransom GitHub. You're, you're, there you go. Yeah, I think you you saw it off the limb at that point. <laughs> you, I, you know, your mom's going to call you one day, Andre, and she's she like, I didn't even go to the dark web. I get it weekly, man. <laughs> All right, so thanks so much to the security team. Uh, and it's not the entire security team in that. We have other security members. They they declined our invite because they're jerks. Um, no, actually, they have, they're busy. They had other things to do. But uh, Juan, if anybody wanted to reach you, how would they do that? You can find me on Twitter, again, at uh, Juan uh, underscore M underscore Mojica. Uh, and I'm sure that you're going to post this with that information on it because nobody's going to spell that right. That's right. People are usually driving or doing other things while this is happening. Um, so, yeah. And the M stands for mushroom, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Andre, uh, how do we reach you? Uh, one way, one vector. Andre at NetApp.com. One trust. Uh, Dan. Dan underscore Tullage, T-U-L-L-E-D-G-E. That's Tullage and Jethro in the word edge. And, oh. and, and, and you can also um, do a, a Google on my name and Zero Trust, and you'll see a blog. It'd be really cool if somebody could Google, like, sitting on a park bench and your, your name just came up. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Aqualung. Um, so, <laughs> Matt, last but not least, how do we reach you? Yeah, it's actually pretty easy to find me because there's, um, you know, only one Matt Trudwin on Twitter. Oh, oh, actually, no, you might run into my UNCB ball fan accounts. We don't want to do that. Um, Intap Matt for the NetApp stuff. I don't understand why that always comes up in this podcast. It's, it's, it's befuddling <laughs> to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's almost like you're a Duke fan. But anyway, we won't almost, talk about it. It's almost like you're trolling me. Um, yeah. yeah. It does have a Carolina blue shirt on today. I, it's got a, yeah, but it's got like a bacon on it, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's allowed. <laughs> it's Carolina-esque, I would say. <sighs> I'm about to burn it now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks so much for joining us today and talking to us about the latest in security updates. 
All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at NetUp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Juan Mojica, Andre Middleton, Dan Tullidge, and Matt Trubin for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah. Cake. It's a, I guess, a tort. I don't know. It's something that I should have um, brought in when you were here, uh, <laughs> and, and I forgot. And it had been sitting in my house. He told me explicitly he brought it in because you weren't here. <laughs> I, I believe that. Mass my hair coals. Bring in the veen. <laughs> I thought you do most of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely heard the chewing that time. <laughs> it's definitely chewing. <laughs>